0: The first Bible reading is found in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, starting at verse 15. And this can be found on page 1182. 1182. The supremacy of the Son of God. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant.
1: The second reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 beginning at verse 11. You'll find this on page 1161 in the church Bibles. ministry of reconciliation. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God and hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal Through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: We'll be touching on both of those readings this morning. We come in our Celebrating God series this morning, to celebrating the God who reconciles. As we do that, let's pray first of all. Spirit, break out. Break our walls down. Help us to be reconciled and to be reconcilers. For Jesus' sake. Amen. James has already in a way set the scene for us in sharing a bit about the work that he does along with the Archbishop. In a global reconciliation ministry. And boy, do we need it in our world today. As we live in a world, don't we, which seems to revel in division and in conflict. Whichever way we look, one party is pitting itself against another. Listen to any public discourse today, and it's always almost a shouting match between one side and another. There's never any listening, never really any attempt to actually come together, to say, what does it mean to be reconciled? We live in a social media world where each lives in their own little bubble, listening only to the news that suits them or to the views that suit them, unwilling and maybe even unable now to listen to any other point of view, and the result is conflict and ill will. So the gift of reconciliation is needed more than ever today. Hands up, those of you who've ever had to be in a position of being a reconciler. Some of, some of you have some very well-behaved children and grandchildren, is all I can say, if you've never actually had to act as a reconciler. Oh, in the workplace is no, no different, is it? You know, I can remember occasions um, when working within the county council where one section was at war with another section. Um, or even worse, it might be um, a mythical story, but um, days before email this was, when um, two who were sitting at opposite desks had fallen out with each other and would only communicate by passing bits of paper to and fro um, across the desk. But it gets like that sometimes, doesn't it? And that sense of actually being brought together, of reconciliation, of being reconciled, of two becoming one, is what we lack in our world today so often. Maybe for others of us, we're longing for reconciliation this morning. Maybe there's been a family rift, and for years maybe, and we've been longing to try and bring those two parts of the family back together. Maybe it's a friendship that was very close once, but something or other has happened which has fractured that particular friendship, and you long for it to come back together in as it was maybe for others of us, we're longing for that reconciliation with God that we read of in our reading this morning. You have that sense of being alienated with God, and you haven't quite got to the but now bit of that reading. We'll pray for that a bit later in the service. This morning we celebrate the God who reconciles. And reconciliation is woven deep into the character of, of God. Reconciliation is one of Paul's favorite words to describe what Christ has done for the world. I sometimes think of words like redemption and justification and so on, but reconciliation is there all over the place in his letters. And pleased to be reconciled, statements that we are reconciled in Christ litter his letters. And I guess, as many of us have discovered, reconciliation always seems to be a journey. It's very rare that it's it's instantaneous, but it requires a walking together and a listening together and a working of things out. It's a journey. And reconciliation, I suggest, is actually the Bible's big story. It's a divine journey of reconciliation with God at the center, Genesis 1 begins with that beautiful poem about creation. In the beginning, God. And at the end of it, we hear that declaration that all is very good. All is fit for purpose. God has made it just so. And yet we read very shortly afterwards how things fall apart. So that in place of harmony, there's disunity, there's hatred, there's accusations flying around all over the place. Gift of creation is raped in the name of progress personal hatred degenerates into murder political systems are devised to favor those who already are rich and powerful rather than those who are weak and can't protect themselves and all turn their back on God I wonder if you were God what would you have done then would you have just said that's it I'm finished with that lot God doesn't give up because he begins a journey of reconciliation. A journey that begins with a man called Abraham, blessed by God to be a blessing to others. God journeys on with Abraham's family through the mess of Egypt and slavery and freedom in the promised land. God persists with that journey of reconciliation even when the people turn against him and they end up in exile. He brings them back so that his journey of reconciliation might continue. And then in his great love, God enters our world in word made flesh. In obedience, the Son endures life, death, resurrection and ascension so that we might be reconciled by his making peace through his blood shed on the cross. It's the wonderful stories that we've read of in those two readings this morning. But actually that isn't the end of the reconciliation journey or the story. Because God then gives the life-giving spirit and creates a new community of those who have been reconciled with God to be reconciled to each other and to be reconcilers in the world. That's you and me today. That's our, jun- our, our function, to be reconcilers, having been reconciled to God. And then one day, that journey of reconciliation will finish itself in that beautiful pictures that we get at the end of Revelation of a renewed heaven and a renewed earth, where reconciliation is no longer needed because all are reconciled humans to humans humans to creation humans and creation to God and all is fulfilled and the journey has come to an end it's a beautiful story but it's a story that has cosmic significance because reconciliation is a cosmic journey if God is at the center of the journey of reconciliation which he is The story that unfolds is bigger than anything we can imagine. His words from Colossians 1 this morning. In Christ all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Thrones, powers, rulers, authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And then those wonderful words in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 19. God was reconciling the cosmos to himself in Christ. You get the immensity of that narrative. We sometimes become so self-centered as human beings that we seem to think it's all about us and it's all done for us. It isn't. Well, it is, but it's not just us. Because God's interested in all that he has made, the whole cosmos, any multiverses they may be, whatever it might be that's out there, God is interested in reconciling to himself. And it's not only the physical things, but it's also the powers and the authorities he's longing to bring to be reconciled in the fractured political mess that we see across the world today. Brexit in our own country. What does it mean for us in this country to be reconciled in the midst of the huge divisions that there are over that particular issue? And they're probably mirrored here in Christchurch as well as in society at large. How will we act as reconcilers in that situation in the days and months and years ahead? What about the other areas? U.S., Iran, Sudan, Yemen, South Sudan, we've already heard of. Oppression in China. You can add your own trouble spots that God has laid on your hearts to be praying for at the moment. The prophets believed in a God who reconciles. And they dared to believe in a day when spears would be beaten into pruning hooks. That there would be a time come when that reconciliation would be complete. But it covers all of those things. God's intention for reconciliation across everything is one of the foundations for our involvement in politics and the way in which we think through our political views it's a foundation for the way in which we treat ecology and the environmental crisis of our own time now that's part of the journey of reconciliation that God calls us into because the journey of reconciliation is a cosmic journey it's huge but it is also a personal journey of reconciliation and it's probably that journey that we're most familiar with in our own sharing together as God's people here. Each of us who knows and love Christ as Savior and Lord and Reconciler will have our own story to tell of our journey of faith. So when we meet together at Wolsey this afternoon, why not go and find somebody you don't know and ask them to share how they came across Jesus and what their journey of faith is. And let's that be an encouragement to each one of us as we learn from each other of our own personal journeys of reconciliation with God. Because that original fracturing of relationships puts each one of us out of kilter in our relationship with God. It's very clear there, isn't it, in Colossians. Once you were alienated from God, but now he has reconciled you. Once you were, but now. And then in 2 Corinthians 5, the old is gone, the new is here. And all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Our personal journey of reconciliation is a gift from God. We can't earn it. We can't mend the brokenness on our own. We need a skilled healer from outside to calm and to put us back together again. In our relationship with ourself, in our relationship with others and our relationship with God. But because reconciliation is a gift, it means we do have a choice whether to receive it or not. To reject the gift is to remain alienated from God. I wonder where you are this morning with that. Is it a gift that you have accepted and made your own? You are now reconciled with God. Or are you still walking alienated from him? If that's you, then do come and talk to Sue or myself or one of the others here this morning. I would be glad to share what it means to come, to be reconciled to Christ. Reconciliation is a divine journey, and it has—it it is a cosmic journey. It has cosmic effects. It's a personal journey, But also reconciliation is a community journey. It's a community journey. Reconciliation with God is personal, but it's never private. Because our personal reconciliation to Christ is always to be lived out in community. The Bible knows of nobody reconciled with Christ who doesn't need others who are reconciled in Christ to keep going. It's that wonderful um, verse in the middle of Hebrews that says, let us not give up meeting with each other as some have done. If I look back over my own faith journey, it's those times when I've neglected meeting with other Christians, or the times when I've backslid. It's been I've been with them that I've had that ongoing encouragement to keep going and to keep going for Christ and to be a reconciler. One writer reflecting on that, that phrase in Romans about having peace with God says that the community's experience of enjoying peace with God is the tangible mark of being reconciled with God. It's as we come together as God's reconciled individuals into God's reconciled community that we really understand what peace with God is about can't be anything else can it because one of Jesus last commands to his disciples on the night he was betrayed was I want you to love as I have loved you love one another as I have loved you how does he love us with a reconciling love which creates unity and harmony and peace and he says that's what I want for you too that's what he wants for us as a church community Over 20 years ago, there were some issues we had here in Christchurch, which we really struggled with. And it could have shattered the church into, into many, many pieces. And we drew everybody together on Ash Wednesday evening for a communion service of reconciliation with all that had gone on over the previous six or seven months. And it was a time of tears. It was a time of brokenness. But it was a time of coming together of being able to say sorry to each other for things that we may have said to each other. A time in uh, in part maybe of disagreeing well between each other in terms of our views. But God exercised a ministry of reconciliation that night, which meant that we didn't fragment, which meant that we had hope for the future of going ahead together as a community here. And I thank God for that ministry of reconciliation that we saw that night. Because that journey of reconciliation doesn't only heal the past, but it provides hope for the future as well. Paul talks about this when he writes to the Ephesians. And I'm going to read just a bit from Ephesians chapter 2. Paul's talking here about the way in which the biggest divide in society at that time between the Jews and the Gentiles was healed in Christ where reconciliation was possible between those two very diverse and at times very opposed communities. And in writing to the Ephesians, Paul writes this, Christ himself is our peace. He's made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Goes on to say, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. their individual journeys of reconciliation from those radically different communities brings them together into a single community of reconciliation. It's something that has been seen over these past years as people in rwanda and burundi have tried to work through the outcome of the genocide sister or maria is a Rwandan nun and she talks about meeting the person who had murdered her father in the genocide and reconciliation came through that meeting she writes this i drew the conclusion that reconciliation is not so much bringing together two people or two groups in conflict. Rather, it means re-establishing each other into love and letting inner healing take place, which then leads to mutual liberation. And here is the importance of the church in our countries, since her mission is to give the word, a word that heals, a word that sets free, and a word That reconciles. That's never going to be easy. It doesn't matter where the breakdown has occurred. There's always going to be opposing views, and somehow that reconciliation has got to bring them together and transcend them. And there is conflict there, particularly in a in a situation where people have been hurt and you're trying to bring them together to bring healing. One theologian put it this way, how does one remain loyal both to the demand of the oppressed for justice and to the gift of forgiveness that the crucified offers to the perpetrators? Bringing those together is the incredible act of reconciliation that's only possible in Christ. And when we go down that road, when we engage in it, remarkable things happen. Some of you who've studied and and read theology in some shape or other will probably have come across Jürgen Moltmann, German theologian. And I remember sitting listening to his testimony on one occasion, as he shared with us. We were actually at the the conference center at Hayes and Swanwick, which is actually his spiritual birthplace. He was a prisoner of war in Derbyshire at the end of the war and there were some Dutch Christians staying nearby and they came from one of the cities that Mortman and those that he'd been commanding had destroyed during the war. The Dutch Christians said, we want to come and talk and he was terrified of what they were going to say but they came with a message of love and seeking reconciliation and that changed his life. It works when people do that, when they're willing to step out of comfort zones and step into a place of reconciliation. Reconciliation is a divine journey. It's a cosmic journey with cosmic impact. It's a personal journey, it's a community journey, but it's also a journey in which we are invited to take part. Emmanuel Katangoli is a Ugandan Roman Catholic priest and he's been heavily involved in working with reconciliation work in Rwanda and Burundi. And as he reflected on 2 Corinthians, he talks about both the gift of reconciliation and the invitation to become a reconciler that's in those verses. So Paul talks to those. Who have been reconciled to himself through Christ. And then goes on to give the invite to us to become part of the ministry of reconciliation. We take part in reconciling others. He says, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, which we accept as we accept Christ. But then the invitation that we have been committed to take the message and ministry of reconciliation into the world. That we might bring peace, that we might bring harmony, that where there are warring tribes, we bring peace and reconciliation. Whether that's in our families, in our workplaces, wherever it might be. We've seen that already in the work of that Rwandan sister and in the Dutch brothers and sisters as they came to Morkman that day. Paul goes on to say that we are to be Christ's ambassadors. Ambassadors live in an alien culture. They live in a foreign land, but they represent the authority of the king or the the government of the land that they've been sent from. So with us, do you recognize yourself as a resident alien in our world? That's what we are called to be as ambassadors. The world around us will be a very different place. Well, we are to represent our king's character, our king's reconciling love and power in this world. At the heart of that will be an ability for us to listen to others. In helping people to Christ, we need to listen. So one of the testimonies of those who've come to faith on the Alpha Course over the past, certainly over the past 15 months, and those who've been involved much longer, I suspect, as well. People say, for the first time, I was listened to. For the first time, I was able to, to explain where I was and to listen. And to be taken seriously, but to be encouraged to consider Jesus. And in that listening process, they've come to faith. But that's true wherever we are, Because in a situation of where we are as reconcilers, there will always be at least two stories being told. You know that from your kids. wasn't me, it was her. (laughs) And we have sometimes to create a third story which transcends those two and brings it together in one place. And as we work with people in an area of reconciliation, that's what we wanted to do too. James has already shared a bit about what some of that looks like in the work that the Anglican Communion are trying to do in places where they get asked to go. And I think that's something increasingly which both the Archbishop and Pope Francis as well are increasingly being involved in together in the work that they're doing across the globe. But we have it in our own country as well. And do pray for our bishops because they will often have a role where they're called in to help in those situations. Yes, sometimes it is the church that's actually the problem. But in other places, the bishops are being asked. So think of Bishop James Jones, the former Bishop of Liverpool and his work in the Hillsborough Inquiry and in the investigation into the the, the number of deaths in in Haslar Hospital here in Hampshire. I think of Bishop Graham Tomlin at the moment working very closely with the aftermath of the Grenfell Tower disaster and being the voice trying to bring reconciliation between a community that's torn, and to bring reconciliation and peace in that area. Pray for them and the work that they do, for others who are in the public eye in their reconciliation ministries. But it isn't just for bishops or archbishops. It's for us as well. We're called to participate in God's journey of reconciliation. Maybe it is with our squabbling children and grandchildren and great grandchildren. Maybe it is in bringing together warring sections in our workplaces. Maybe it's bringing together a rift in our family, a situation in our local community. Maybe it is helping somebody we know come to Christ and to be reconciled to God. As we receive the gift of reconciliation, as we are reconciled to God, so he lays down the invitation to us to also be reconcilers in our world. Are we willing to accept the gift and also be willing to take up the invitation to be reconcilers? Because reconciliation is a divine journey The source and goal of reconciliation is God himself. It's a journey which has cosmic impact. All authorities and powers, all of creation. Reconciliation is a personal journey. If we long to see reconciliation in our relationships with one another, we have to begin with our being reconciled to God in the first place. Reconciliation is a community journey. Reconciled individuals in Christ are called into the community of God's reconciled people, the church. And then reconciliation is a journey in which we all have a part to play. Will you both receive God's reconciliation this morning in Christ? And will you? Be our reconciler in this world for the reconciliation of the cosmos. I'm going to pray, and I'll ask um, Alison to come up and um, we'll sing. And maybe it is for you that there are areas where you know you need prayer for reconciliation. And if that's so, do come. over. We'll have some of our prayer ministry people over the side here. Do come and seek prayer as we sing this next song. But let me pray first. Lord Jesus, thank you for that phrase that Paul uses, that we once were, but now we are. And we ask that you would reassure us of your reconciling love that you have for each one of us here this morning. And we pray that as we receive that love so we would be obedient and love as you have loved us and bring your reconciling power to bear on those situations that we come across where there is division and where reconciliation is needed. May your spirit of unity inspire us and empower us For your sake we pray. Amen.